If you haven't met me yet, my name is Teresa Breeding. I'm the Women's Ministry Director here at Grace. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something that may feel a little bit awkward, but do it anyway, okay? (laughs) Support me here. Do it anyway. I want you to look around at the people around you. Look at the people in your row. Look at the people in the whole room. Everybody do it, okay? Turn around. look Look at them in the face. Look at it. You might say hello or good morning. But uh, (laughs) look at everybody around the whole room, all right? We have a variety of people here this morning. We have men and women. We have older people and younger people. We have people from uh, different religious backgrounds. We have people from Catholic backgrounds. We have people from Baptist backgrounds. We have Democrats and Republicans. We have... um, People who are just starting in their faith journey. We have people who have been Christians for a very long time. We have people from different social and economic backgrounds. We're just a a great variety of people. And so as you can imagine, with a large, diverse group of people like this, there's a lot of things that we probably disagree on, right? And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning is when Christians disagree, Because we all have some opinions on different things, right? Um, So I'm going to ask you this morning what you think about some different things, what your convictions are about some things. And I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to tell me your answers. I just want you to think about this. What is your conviction? What is your feeling on these different things? So first of all, what is your feeling on alcohol, drinking alcohol? Do you think it's okay for Christians to drink alcohol? Or do you think that it's a sin for a Christian to drink alcohol? What about your convictions on which day of the week that you worship on? As our corporate worship service, do you believe that that's on Sunday? Or can it be on another day? What about tattoos? Do you think that tattoos are okay for Christians to have? Or do you think that tattoos are just inherently sinful? What do you think about that? What about how pastors dress in the pulpit? Do you think that flip-flops and jeans are okay? Or do you think that the men should wear a suit and tie? Or maybe even a robe? And what about a hat? Can they wear a hat in the pulpit? What about a woman in the pulpit? What about spanking your kids? Should you spank your kids or never spank your kids? What about Bible versions? Should we read King James Version only or are other versions okay? So do you see how there's these areas that even as Christians, we may disagree, right? There are these gray areas. They're not areas that the Bible is clear on. And they could really cause division in the church. And so if you've ever been in one of those situations where you believed that something was okay and another believer believed that it was wrong, then you've come to the right place. Because this morning we're going to be picking up where Pastor Dennis left off last week in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 14. And here Paul is talking about 
and teaching us how to deal with what to do when we disagree with another Christian. Because we're not talking about black and white issues. We're not talking about lying, cheating, stealing, murdering. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about those gray areas that the Bible isn't clear on. Those areas where we all have our own convictions, those are the areas that we divide over. But as I was preparing this message, I was thinking that this is what I really love about grace. This, this is something that we're really pretty good at, okay? We're pretty good about. Because we have people in this room today that are really dressed up, okay? We have people that are wearing suits. We have people that are wearing nice dresses. And then we have people that are really dressed down, okay? Maybe you got your flip-flops on this morning because we got a little bit of warmer, warmer weather, all right? But we're not worried about it, are we? We're not worried about what everybody else is wearing. My earrings. I'm an 80s girl. I like my big earrings. I tried to go smaller today, but anyway, that's the click that you're hearing. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we're not worried about what everybody's wearing, right? And we have people in this room today that are sitting with their King James Version Bible right next to a person that has the message pulled up on their iPhone. And we're not worried about it. We're just glad that everybody's reading their Bible, right? We have people sitting next to each other that have multiple tattoos, sitting next to someone who would never dream of getting a tattoo for whatever reason. And we're not judging or criticizing each other for it. Okay, so I think that we are really good about this. We even have Democrats sit next to Republicans. But the body of Christ is very diverse, and there's plenty of room for individuality. The problem comes when we try to impose our opinions and our views on other people. And you may have dealt with this at some time. If you haven't, you probably will. But in Romans chapter 14, Paul tells us what to do when Christians and Christ followers disagree with each other and how to handle disagreements. Because there were, there were deep divisions in the church of Rome. They weren't dividing over these black and white issues that the Bible was clear on. They were dividing over gray areas, mainly over three areas. The first was circumcision, okay, because we had, we had Jews that believed that for a Gentile to become a Christian that they had to become a Jew first, which meant that they had to be circumcised as adults, and they didn't want to do that. And then we had the issue of dietary restrictions, so it was to eat meat or not to eat meat. That is the question. And then we had the issue of holidays or holy days. Because there were Jews that grew up in Jewish traditions, and they wanted to hold on to their holy days and their kosher eating and all of the, the things that they had grown up with. But then we had these Romans and these Greeks that they didn't grow up with those traditions or those religious distinctions. And so they didn't feel like that they needed to, to do those things. And so they struggled, and there was dis, disunity. So the question became, what can we do and what can we not do? You know, what, what can we get away with? Okay, maybe you remember your early days of Christianity when you're still in, in that in-between of your old life and your new life, and you're, you're wondering, you know, what can I do, what can I get away with and still be a Christian, right? I think that we've all been there. And Paul understood that there were gray areas, and so what do we do in these gray areas that cause the disunity and the fights and the divisions in the churches? 
So in verses 1 through 12, Paul tells us that we're to give one another the freedom to have different opinions. And in verses 13 through 23, Paul says we're to limit our own freedom for the good of other people. If we as a church would just simply obey chapter 14, then we would all be unified together. The body of Christ would be tight, and we would remove one of those barriers that keeps people from coming to Christ, and that is watching the the disagreements and the disunity within the church. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 20. This was Jesus' prayer. He said, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Jesus prayed for unity. He prayed that we would unify as an example to the world so that the world would believe. And when we're not unified, it's a great excuse for people to not believe. It's a great reason for people to not want to be a part of us. Okay? And so some of us hold very strong to our convictions, and that's okay. But we have to give other people the freedom to have their own convictions. So beginning in Romans chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Now, that can seem kind of harsh because I know that when we think of someone who's weak in faith, we think that of that being a person who's not very close to God or doesn't have a close relationship with God. But that's not what he's talking about here. Because weak and strong are, are generalities because in reality, we're all weak in some areas and strong in others, right? And so he's saying here that we're to accept, to warmly welcome Christians who are different than we are without quarreling over disputable matters. And in other versions, disputable matters is translated as opinions. Opinions. All of Romans 14 is about opinions. So where God draws a line, we're to stand on that line. Okay? Where the Bible does not draw lines, where the Bible is not clear, then we're not to draw lines for other people. Okay? You have a right to your opinion, I have a right to my opinion. And you don't have to have an opinion about my opinion. And I don't have to have an opinion about yours, okay? In any area where the Bible doesn't speak, I'm free in that area, okay? I am free to do it or to not do it in accordance with my relationship with God, in accordance with my Holy Spirit-driven conviction, from God, and it might be different than yours. Because here's the thing, something perfectly innocent can be a sin for one person and not for another. For example, video games. And I'm not talking about those controversial video games. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Super Mario. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Candy Crush. Word with friends. You know, y'all play these games, right? 
I do too. I play these games. That's how I know about it. And these games can be perfectly innocent. You may be thinking, how could Candy Crush be a sin? Well, it might not be for you. You might can play it for a few minutes and put it down. But then there's another person who they'll play it for hours. They don't even notice that their child has walked into the room. They can't get their job done during the day. They don't have time for God. They don't have time to talk to God because they're playing Candy Crush. That's a problem, right? Seemingly innocent, but it's a problem. I've been up here before, not today, but before I've been up here pouring my heart out about what the Lord has given me to tell to you and watch people play games on their phones through the whole sermon, through worship, through prayer time. It can be a problem. Anything that comes between you and God, anything that takes the place of God, that becomes more important than God in your life, is a sin for you, but not necessarily for someone else. So who is Paul talking about here when he talks about the person that's weak in faith? What's he talking about? A person of weak faith is a person who has strong convictions over matters that are of non-salvation-related importance. And they're misdirected or they're influenced to believe that these matters are more important than they are. But they're non-salvation-related issues. Usually they're opinion-related issues. For example, the King James Version versus other versions. Okay? It's one thing to say that you always read out of the King James Version. And even to say that you would recommend that others read out of the King James Version. But it's a whole other thing to say that you can't be a Christian if you read from any other version. Or that you can't be saved if you read from the NIV. Because if that were the case, you were all in big trouble because that's what I've been reading out of this morning. (laughs) It's not a heaven or hell issue. And a weak Christian will make gray areas into heaven or hell issues. Verse 2, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Now let me say, I'm not saying if you're a vegetarian that you're weak in faith. People are vegetarians for many reasons. Maybe it's for health reasons or maybe you just don't like meat. But what, I'm talking to, what he's talking about here is that during this time, there were, there were people who sacrifice who made animal sacrifices to pagan gods and then they would take that meat and they would sell it in the marketplace and they would label it as a meat that had been sacrificed to god or to pagan gods okay and so there were some people that believed that if they ate that meat that it was a sin against god and so they would not eat that meat and so just in case just to be careful to make sure that they didn't unknowingly eat something that had been sacrificed to a pagan god, they just didn't eat meat at all, just to be safe. And then there were other people who were like, well, I don't care, I don't worship that god, and that's good meat, because it's probably prime meat, you know, from the healthiest animals. And they were like, that's good meat, I'm eating it, it don't matter to me. And I know that this may seem a little foreign to us today, but think about it. If you went to Kroger 
And there was some really good-looking meat sitting there, and it had a label on it that said that it had been sacrificed in a Muslim sacrifice to Allah. Some of you might not want to eat that meat, right? And others of you might be like, oh, that's good meat. I don't worship Allah. I don't care. I'm eating it. That would be me because I like meat, but anyway. But uh, verse 3 The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. So they wanted Paul to say who was right and who was wrong. But instead, Paul says, hey, you meat eaters, don't treat the non-meat eaters like they're less than you. And hey, you non-meat eaters, don't treat the meat eaters, don't judge the meat eaters. Okay? Verse 4, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. In other words, mind your own business. All right? They aren't accountable to you. They're accountable to God. Verse 5, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. So here again, we have these Jewish believers who have been raised up in Jewish culture and Jewish traditions, and their families have always celebrated holy days and and feast days, and they feel guilty if they don't. And so they feel like they have to keep these holy days like their ancestors have. But then we have these new believers, these new Romans and these new Greeks, and they've never been raised up in these traditions. They don't mean anything to them. And so they don't feel like they need to celebrate these days. And so it it caused a disunity in their church. Today, maybe without realizing it, we deal with the same issue. Okay? If you're here this morning, it may be because you hold Sunday as, as your day of worship, as your day of corporate worship. There are other people that believe that that day is Saturday. There are some people that go to church on Monday. All right, and there may be people in here going, no, church is for Sunday. As for me personally, I've always worshiped on Sunday, so Sunday is, is my day. That's the day. But I don't think that God is sitting up there looking down on the people that are worshiping on Monday going, it is Monday. What are you people doing? <laughs> you don't worship me on Monday. Stop it. You know, I don't think that's happening. And what does Paul say about this? In verse 6, he says, Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Because really, what makes a certain day or a certain food holy? It's that we relate it to God, right? It's that we relate it to God. So whatever we do, whether we indulge or we abstain, whatever we do, we do it as to the Lord. We do it because we believe that it honors God. And if we believe that it dishonors God, then we shouldn't do it. Whether it, whether it, it truly does or it truly doesn't. If we believe if we are truly convicted that something dishonors God 
and yet we choose to do it anyway, then that decision in and of itself dishonors God. And therefore, it would be a sin. So Paul's focus in this chapter isn't to lay down the law or spell out, or spell out the rules or say, you know, this is your to-do list and this is your don't list, don't do list. His focus is on attitude. His focus is on attitude, and he's going to lay down some principles for dealing with non-essentials, okay? And we always say here at Grace that in the essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty, and in all things, we have love. So what are the essentials? The essentials are what we sang about this morning. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the resurrection. The Apostles' Creed, those are the things that we believe. So if you're a member of this church, those are the things that you believe. And if you're here this morning and you're just checking us out and you're just trying to to see if this whole thing is for you or if this is the church for you, then I want you to know that those are the things that we believe. That's what this church is based on. But there are other things that we don't all agree on, those gray areas. Those opinions. And what Paul says is that first, we're to welcome people into our fellowship. We don't shun them or disassociate with them over things that don't really matter. And second, we're to build each other up and not tear each other down. Because here are Romans, Jews, Gentiles, they're, they're looking for ways to, to stay apart And Paul is looking for ways to bring them together, to unify them. Verse 7, it says, For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. We will all stand at the judgment seat of God one day, not to judge each other but to give an account of ourselves to God. It says, instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. That that stumbling block or that obstacle would be me trying to change your convictions based on my convictions. It would be me trying to talk you into doing something that's against your conscience, Okay? It would be like if you didn't, if if you believed that tattoos were a sin. And I said, oh no, tattoos aren't a sin. Look, I got all these tattoos. You need to come get a tattoo with me. You know, we'll be buds. We'll get a tattoo together. I already made an appointment at the tattoo shop. Now, even though that might not be inherently wrong, if they believe that it's wrong, and I talk them into doing it anyway, because I don't think it's wrong, then I potentially am putting space between them and God. I potentially am interrupting 
their walk with God and creating a stumbling block in their life. And what good would that do, right? If I persuaded them to do something that was against their Holy Spirit-driven conscience. Verse 14, I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. So, if, if drinking alcohol or eating meat violates your conscience, if you feel that it's wrong for you to do that, then it is wrong for you to do that. Don't do it. Even if it's not inherently wrong, it is for you because it violates your conscience. Okay? But now this doesn't work both ways, okay? So, like, adultery is still wrong, even if you don't feel bad about it, okay? It's still a sin. (laughs) Abuse of another person is still wrong, even if you don't feel bad about it. It's still a sin. It doesn't work both ways. Verse 15, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Because it's not about food. It's about people, right? So if I'm eating dinner with a vegetarian and I know that it's going to offend them if I order meat, should I order meat? No. Or maybe a better example is if I'm, if I'm out to dinner with someone who believes that drinking alcohol is a sin. But for me, I don't believe that. So is it okay for me to order a drink? Because it's not my problem, right? No, I don't order a drink. Because it's not about food or drink. It's about love. And the limit is put on the stronger person, not the weaker one. Because Love is more important because God is more important because the decision that I make in that moment, if it, if it caused you to stop listening to me, if it caused you, if it, if it discredited my testimony, if it kept me from being able to share my love of Christ with you, a drink ain't worth that, you know? So those of you who have liberty, you're going to give up that liberty. And the weak believers are told not to judge. The strong believers are told to change their actions and their behaviors to match those of the weak believer. And you think, well, why should I change what I do because of him? Because unity is that important. It's that important. Verse 16, Therefore do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So don't don't flaunt your freedom by openly doing things that someone else may consider is wrong. In doing so, you may encourage them to follow your lead. And if they were to do that, they would violate their conscience and they would put space between them and God. And then we're guilty of tempting them into sin. 
which would be destructive to their spiritual life. So that's what Paul means by causing someone to stumble. Verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, keep them between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So err on the side of caution. If you don't feel right about it, if you're not sure about it, then don't do it. Err on the side of caution. Don't violate your conscience. So it's like if someone came up to me and they said, hey, Teresa, do you think it would be okay if I drank alcohol as a Christian? Do you think that would be okay? I would say absolutely not. Absolutely not. And the reason is because they're not sure about it. Because there is a doubt in them. And if there is a doubt in them, they have to be convinced in their own mind that it's okay. And if so, have at it. But if not, err on the side of caution. So in the beginning, I asked you about your convictions. I asked you about what you believed about alcohol and tattoos and days of worship. And what I want to tell you now is keep those convictions. Keep them. They're yours. They're your convictions. They might be different than mine, but they're your convictions. Don't put them on everybody else, but keep them. Convictions are not essentials. They should not divide us in any way. Let's move on to Romans chapter 15, verse 1. It says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So those who are strong in the faith, they're not given that strength for just themselves. They're given that to help those who are less mature. The burden of maintaining the unity of the church falls on the strong because they have the greater freedom and they should use that freedom to help others. And in doing that, they're following the example of Christ who gave up all of his freedoms and all of his liberties to serve us. He did that for us. Verse 4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So note that Paul is not asking for unity of opinion. He's asking for unity of faith and unity of love. Because the greatest sign of spirituality is love. It's not speaking in tongues, singing on the worship team, or leading a Sunday school class, or coming to church every Sunday, reading the Bible cover to cover, and quoting scripture every time you talk to somebody. The greatest sign of spirituality is love. It's about love. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, he said, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. It's about love. It's all about love. And so in closing today, when you find yourself in disagreement with another Christian, I want you to ask yourself these things. Does the Bible speak clearly to this issue? Because if it does, well, that's a whole other sermon, right? But when the Bible speaks clearly to an issue, we are always to follow what the Bible says, right? We're always to lean on the Bible. But let me be clear. We need to, the provisions and the guidelines that we are to follow are in the New Testament, okay? We have an Old Testament and we have a New Testament. We have an Old Covenant, we have a New Covenant. We have before Christ and after Christ. And the provisions and the guidelines that we're to follow are after Christ. They're in the New Testament. You'll find the Ten Commandments in there scattered throughout the New Testament. That's what we're to follow. So if you're a new Christian and you're trying to follow Leviticus and the law is found in Leviticus, you got a rough road to toe, I'm telling you. Let's look to the New Testament, okay? And if the Bible says it, we do it. If the Bible says not to do it, we don't do it. But if the Bible does not speak clearly to this issue, if it's one of those gray areas, then you need to ask yourself, how do I feel about this issue? Don't violate your conscience, okay? It might be protecting you, and you might need to be protected from something that somebody else doesn't need to be protected from. If you feel that this is something that you have the freedom to do, do it. But don't, but don't think that you're better or act like you're better than someone else who doesn't think that they can. Okay? And don't try to convince others to do it with you. And don't flaunt your freedom. If you feel that it's something that you cannot do, that it's a sin for you, that it would, it would come between you and God then don't do it. But don't judge the other people that feel like they can do it. Don't criticize them and act like you're morally superior because you're abstaining from whatever it may be. Because the problem is that when we feel like our opinion is so right that it gives us the right to look down on others whose opinion is different than ours. That's where the problem is. Is we should never look down on someone else who's trying to walk in faith. We should all be building each other up. And so that's your challenge this week. As you go out this week, I want you to look for areas where you can build other Christians up. And when you're making decisions on things that you can or cannot do, follow your conscience. Consult your Bible. Talk to God about it. Make sure that you are convinced in your own mind of what is right and wrong for you. And try to help other people to make those good decisions for themselves so that we can all live the best Christian life that we can live, so that we can all be the best example of Christ that we can be. And so that as a church, that we can be unified and not have all the bickering and not have the disunity so that other people will be drawn to us. And in so doing, they are drawn to him. 
Because listen, they're drawn to us first. They know us long before they know him. And we have to be aware of who we are and, what, and who we represent. All right? Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this message this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you know each of us deep down. Lord, and you know what is good for us and what is bad for us. Lord, I thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to be our conscience. Lord, to be our guide. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be strong in our own convictions and to not judge others for theirs. Lord, that we will be unified in the essentials and the most important things, Lord, in glorifying you in everything we say and everything we do. May we glorify you. We love you, Lord. Help us to love others with the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name.